The second reading is from 1 John, the fifth chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For where there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 15th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is a portion of the gospel reading that I read to you just moments ago. But at this time, I want to reread verse 12 and following. <clears throat> Jesus says, My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And so this is my command. Love one another. This is our text. In the name of our risen and triumphant Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear fellow believers in him. Jesus' command is simple and straightforward. Love one another as I have loved you. These words seem to be so out of place 
when one considers the context in which they are spoken. Tension blankets the dark evening night. Hatred seethes in the hearts of thugs only miles away as they plot and as they organize the temple troops who will soon come and arrest Jesus. Betrayal shrouds the heart of a trusted friend while cowardlessness creeps into the hearts of Jesus' other friends. And yet Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. How can Jesus be talking about love and friendship when he knows that his friends are going to abandon him? Well, Jesus' words are for us too. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You are my friends. Love each other as I have loved you. I call you friend, Jesus says. You know, it's easy to talk about love and friendship here in this sanctuary, but it's difficult to put love into action, even in our friendships and in our families. A while back, Burger King had an advertising campaign that proclaimed Whopper Sacrifice. Friendship is stronger than the Whopper, no, friendship is strong, but the Whopper is stronger. And the advertisement challenged, you need to sacrifice, that is defriend, 10 of your Facebook friends. And each Facebook friend will be notified, so choose wisely. Sacrifice 10 Facebook friends and you get a free Whopper. When I visited WhopperSacrifice.com, and there is such a thing, I discovered that the campaign was over. But it stated, your love for the Whopper sandwich proved to be stronger than 233,906 friendships. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it would be too hard for me to defriend 10 quote-unquote friends on Facebook. But it is difficult, isn't it, to maintain friendships? It's difficult even to love people who are within our own families. I mean, have you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? Many, many people have. In fact, well over 12 million people have read that book. And it's been translated into many, many languages so that people can read it around the world. And why? Because quite frankly, we have difficulty loving people within our own families. Husbands loving their wives, wives loving their husbands, parents loving their children, children loving their parents, siblings loving siblings. Yes, we need to know love language, don't we? 
Mother Teresa said, and I may have used this quote before, but Mother Teresa said, love starts at home. Family first, and then your town. It's easy to love people who are far away, but it's not always so easy to love those who live right next to us or who love, who live right with us. Even congregational families struggle, don't they? They struggle to love one another. Congregational families struggle to love one another when insensitive words are spoken at meetings, opposing viewpoints over the most banal issues often spark animosity rather than unity. Many a congregation is divided into conflicting camps and one-time friends become fiends. Yes, it's challenging. It's challenging to create friendships. It's challenging to maintain friendships. It takes so much time. It takes so much energy. It takes so much sacrifice. It, it means that we might actually have to tolerate somebody with a different viewpoint or whose values make conflict with our own. And then we have to deal with some ornery people. And then, of course, there's compassion fatigue. According to an article in the Washington Post, a quarter of all Americans claim that they have no one with whom they can discuss personal troubles. No one. That's one quarter of all Americans. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Overall, the number of people Americans have in their closest circle of confidence has dropped from three to two. So just stop and ask yourself, who are your closest confidence? Intimate social ties are shrinking and becoming non-existent, and one can only imagine what this COVID pandemic is doing when we so isolate ourselves and be gotten into the habit of separating ourselves and being afraid of, of being around people. People are being deprived of meaningful friendships. For a number of respondents, a person's spouse is the only person in whom they confide. And one wonders who such people turn to for help when their marriage begins to sour. What about you? Do you find it difficult to create and sustain friendships? Are you struggling right now with a family member? Maybe you're in conflict with him or her. How about a coworker? Are you just kind of really annoyed with somebody that you work with? Is a friendship strained? And you're wondering how it is that you can approach that friend and be reconciled to one another. Are you guilty of neglecting a friendship? Why is it that we're so preoccupied with ourselves that we fail to foster friendships? Why do we allow anger and selfish ambition and envy and indifference and other hurtful attitudes and banal behaviors to undermine even valued friendships and family relationships? The only one that seems to win is Satan. Jesus never wavered in his love for his friends. 
Shortly after Jesus spoke these words, he found himself in a garden. And what was he doing? Praying for his friends. Praying for his friends who would abandon him only moments later. Jesus prayed, and just listen for the love that Jesus has in these words. He says, he's talking to his Father in heaven, he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And while I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe by that name that you gave me. And none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And I'm coming to you now. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it, but sanctify them by thy truth, for your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have now sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Don't you just hear Jesus' love gushing in those words for his friends? Even after Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, Jesus said, friend, friend, do what you came for. Following Peter's cowardice denials, Jesus came to his friend Peter post-resurrection to forgive him and to restore their friendship. Three times Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? And each time Jesus affirmed that he accepted Peter as friend when he said, feed my sheep. And of course, despite these acts of love, there is no greater act of love than God's son laying down his life for his friends, and for his enemies. Did not Jesus pray from the cross even for those who were persecuting him? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You have I called friend. That's what Jesus says to you and me. You have I called friend. That's the literal Greek. It emphasizes you. You, Jesus says, I have chosen to be my friend. It's astonishing that Jesus calls us friend. I mean, in the Old Testament, there's only two people who are called Jesus's, or who are called God's friend. Abraham and Moses. Just two. And here, Jesus, our Savior, says to his disciples, and he says to you and me, you, I call my friend. Just ponder that reality for a moment. God's Son 
calls you friend. And God's son not only prayed for his disciples, for those 12 apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed, but also he prayed for you and me. He says, and I'm going back to that prayer, my prayer is not just for them, the apostles alone. No, I pray also, Father, for those who believe in me who believe in me through their message, that all of them might be one. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Yes, he prayed for us. Because we're his friends. He came to us in the waters of holy baptism. He said, friend, I baptize you. I receive you into my circle of friends. He comes to us and he says, Friend, come and and eat with me. Dine at my table. Partake of my very body and blood that was given and shed for you to make you my friend. And he says uh, to us when he sees us troubled and worried and overcome with with life, he says, Friend, come to me when you're weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus' love for us never, ever wavers. Never, ever wavers. Despite knowing our faults, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And when we live in such love, With Jesus as our friend, he changes us. Ernest Gordon, in his book Miracle on the River Kwai, tells the story of some Scottish soldiers forced by their Japanese captors to labor on a jungle railroad. Over time, they've degenerated to barbarous behavior. But one afternoon, something happens that changes their attitude and behavior. A shovel was missing. And the officer in charge became enraged. And he demanded that the missing shovel be produced or else. When no one stepped forward from the squadron to take responsibility for it, the soldier pulled out his gun and he threatened to kill all of them on the spot. And it was obvious that this officer meant what he said. He was going to do what he had threatened to do. And so then finally, one man stepped forward. And the officer put his gun away. He picked up a shovel, and he beat the man to death. When it was over, the survivors picked up the bloody corpse, and they carried it with them to the second tool check. This time... No shovel was missing. Indeed, there had been a miscount at the first checkpoint. Well, news spread like wildfire throughout the whole camp. An innocent man had been willing to die to save others. And that incident had profound effect upon all of the men. The men began to treat each other as brothers. 
And when the victorious allies swept in, the survivors, and by this time they were now human skeletons, when they were lined up in front of their captives, instead of attacking the captors and calling for revenge, they insisted no more hatred, no more killing. Now what we need is forgiveness. Sacrificial love has transforming power. As I was working on this message, I couldn't help but think that this transforming power of Christ's love is what is so desperately needed in our country today. I began to wonder whether or not the reason why we see such barbarous behavior in our society today, whether it's within families, within the workplace, within our communities, wherever it is, I couldn't help but wonder if it's partially because people no longer know the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's a shrinking number of people in our country who actually know the story of Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. There's fewer and fewer people all the time who not only not know of that love of God in Christ Jesus, but who are no longer being transformed by that love of Christ Jesus. And so how has it played out in our lives? But to be self-centered and self-focused and to look for ways to take advantage of someone else, to step on someone else so that we might be able to get ahead, to insist on our rights at, at the expense of other people's rights, and the list goes on and on and on. St. John writes, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And there it is, isn't it? Right there in those words is the secret for loving each other. The secret for loving those within our families. The secret for loving those friends of ours who are a major consternation to us at times. The secret for loving people who are different from us because they have different values and beliefs than us. The secret for loving people who have a different skin color than us. It's the secret to reconciling people to one another. We love because our friend, the one who died and rose from the dead, loves us. We forgive because Jesus, our friend, forgives us. We serve because our friend, Jesus Christ, serves us. And we speak of our friend's healing word because our friend, Jesus Christ, speaks his healing word to us again and again. And we see the transforming power of Christ's love in the first reading for today in the story of Peter and Cornelius. 
As I said before, there was a time when Peter would never have accepted an invitation into Cornelius' home. It would have been unthinkable. A Jew despised the Gentile, and a Gentile despised the Jew. But Peter, having seen and experienced the transforming, forgiving love of his friend Jesus Christ, not only accepted an invitation from Cornelius to come into his home, but Peter preached and he baptized, and he spent a number of days in his new friend's home following the conversion of Cornelius' family. And Peter concludes, and we heard the words in the first, first sentence of the first reading, I now realize, he says, how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts, he befriends men, women, and children from every nation. And just as Jesus' friendship with Peter changed Peter, so Jesus' friendship with us changes us. And we go out into this world and we share the love of Christ in the way that we interact with other people. The way our nation is transformed is one person at a time as each one of us goes out and shares the love of Christ through our words and deeds, yes, with those first in our own families, and then with our friends, and then with those that we work with, those that we go to school with, and then, yes, even to the larger society as well. We go out and we bear fruit that will last. We go and we live and we befriend and we tell other people about Jesus. We serve in his name. We sacrifice in his name and we pray in his name. And we pray confidently for our friends. We pray for those who despise us. We pray because we know that's what our friend Jesus does. And so look around you. What do you see? More importantly, who do you see? You see Jesus' friends. That's who you see. You see friends for whom Jesus died. They're not only Jesus' friends. You're not only Jesus' friends. But they're your friends too. They're your friends too. And so love one another. Love one another as Jesus loves you. And don't stop with your friends in the faith. Don't just stop with your own immediate family. Don't just stop with your friends who you feel most comfortable with. But love other people as well. Go out and love the people especially who do not know Jesus as their friend. And introduce them. Introduce them and say, have I ever got a friend to introduce you to? He's your savior as he's mine. And as he has transformed my life with his love, he can transform you too. Yes, greater love has no one than this than that he laid down his life
for his brother, for his friend. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.